Hello and welcome to Star Trek Sundays. Today's episode is The Hero's Journey, in which we'll discuss how this theme was presented and contemplated through Star Trek in The City on the Edge of Forever from the original series and Rightful Heir from The Next Generation. I took the liberty of curating this week's watch list as I really wanted to watch one of the best original series episodes, The City on the Edge of Forever, and this was the perfect opportunity. So I hope you enjoy how T will map the episodes to the traditional hero's journey outline and the discussion that follows. If you're new here, I'm Victoria and with me is my co-host T. Star Trek Sundays is a podcast through which we and our guest crew examine the philosophical themes presented in Star Trek every Sunday at 10 a.m. PST on Clubhouse. Our goal is not to come to conclusions on the themes we discuss, but to spark contemplation and conversation, which we hope continues after the live recording and into the lives of the listeners of the podcast. The Star Trek Sundays podcast is available one week after the live show on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and from anywhere else you get your podcasts. Please consider subscribing to our channels. It helps us reach others who might enjoy the show. T. There is so much to discuss today, so let's dig right in. Before we dig into Star Trek, can you tell us about the hero's journey in general? Definitely. Thank you, Victoria. The hero's journey, also known as the monomyth, was originally envisioned by Joseph Campbell in his 1949 publication, The Hero with a Thousand Faces. In it, he describes the framework for how a hero is forced to leave the comfort of his familiar world and embark upon a journey to the unfamiliar, only to return having been forever changed by the quest. It outlines a number of steps which the hero must go through, such as being reluctant, facing challenges, coming to terms with new understandings, and the consequences of returning back to familiarity. The literary structure has been adapted countless times with famous examples like Lord of the Rings and Luke Skywalker from Star Wars, so it's unsurprising that Star Trek would also utilize this trope. Thanks, T. So why don't we dig into The City on the Edge of Forever, and you can tell us how this particular episode maps to that hero's journey outline with a few more details of what the hero's journey includes. Definitely. So, The City on the Edge of Forever, the original series, Season 1, Episode 18, first aired on the 6th of April, 1967. In this episode, the crew of the Enterprise is forced to travel back in time to undo the changes that a crazed McCoy did to their past. So, here's how this maps to the hero's journey. The call to adventure is the Enterprise investigating time distortions. The refusal of the call is their hesitancy to enter the portal. The supernatural aid comes in the form of the Guardian of Forever and Spock's machines. And crossing the threshold when occurs when Spock and Kirk realize that Edith is the key to the change in the past and that she may need to die for history to be reset. Which brings us to the belly of the whale they might need to kill Edith. Road to Trials includes the policeman getting money and getting the job, meeting the goddess represented by Edith, which brings us to Temptation, where Kirk is tempted to abandon his mission and stay in the past with Edith, but Spock reminds him of his duty. Atonement with the Father occurs, 
where the father figure is the timeline itself. They can't save Edith without altering history. Apotheosis comes when Kirk grapples with the weight of his decision and experiences a moment of transcendence and understanding. The ultimate boon is that Kirk makes the decision to let Edith die, giving humanity a future, and then crossing the return threshold and being the master of two worlds in which they go back to the Enterprise and now have to resume life, having let Edith die. And that's how this episode maps to the hero's journey. Thanks, T. That's awesome. Um, I really love this episode. And um, and it it's funny, as we, we went through this and, and I was researching the hero's journey, you can see how a lot of stories map to this. And I often wonder if the the writers, you know, actually have the map out and figure out what to put in or whether this is just natural storytelling that uh, Joseph Campbell figured out. So maybe we can discuss that later on. But I'd like to dig into the question now. If you could go back into the past and change a singular detail, what detail would you change and why? Well, that's a good question. I would have to say that I would swap the results of the U.S. 2000 election. It was a really close election between George Bush and Al Gore, and I'd have Al Gore win instead of George Bush. If it had gone that way, September 11th and the subsequent wars uh, would have played out very differently. The Afghanistan conflict, the financial crisis, it all would have gone differently. And I think it might have in turn affected future events. So I think that this is a rather recent opportunity where, you know, just going back and changing a, a, you know, swapping a little detail, like, you know, who won which state there and who got, you know, uh, who got more votes would have really changed the world pretty drastically. Excellent. Yeah, I'm sure it would have. Thanks for coming up on the stage, Ryan and Rachel. And uh, let's go to you, Ryan. If you could go into the past and change a singular detail, what detail would you change and why? I've given this a lot of thought over the years. Um, and there are things I would want to change, but I'm afraid of the consequences it would bring. Currently, I have a seven-year-old daughter and... I fear that any change uh, to the past would potentially change her or erase her from my timeline. And therefore, I probably wouldn't change anything. The desire is there, right? Like if I could go back and stop my younger brother from dying, I would. But what are the butterfly effects? What are the consequences of him living? And does that mean that potentially my daughter doesn't get born or is born a different person. Uh, and that's the problem with these time travel scenarios that, yes, we could go back and change Al Gore versus George Bush, but then what are the ripples? 9-11 would still have happened, but the effects of, of how we would react it would have been potentially different, even though if we take a look at that scenario, there's never been a war that the USA hasn't been hungry for. So uh, I, I fear that the timeline that we're in 
is the best possible set of options that this timeline can provide. And any change would mean potentially something more disastrous. Yeah, thank you for that. I struggle with this myself. Like, even if this could be a thing, would we then come back to reality and then know those two worlds, right? Like if your daughter was slightly different, maybe she was um, the same person and, and the circumstances brought you to the same wife and everything, but maybe she's a bit of a different person because she had her uncle's influence or something. Would you then be the person who remembers the daughter in the before timeline or not, right? And so I, I struggle with this sort of strange loop as well and feel a bit afraid about making those changes. So I, I would have a hard time answering this question, but let's see what, what other people have to say. How about you, Rachel? If you could go back into the past and change a singular detail, what detail would you change and why? Well, I'm also someone who uh, struggles with this dilemma, but for, but for a long time, um, I used to say that I wish I could go back and change the fact that I was born into a cult. But uh, the thing about that is I, I did have a conversation with Victoria herself once about how, why I felt that way. And I was saying, because I feel like if I didn't have that backdrop, I would be at a much better place in my life right now. But we, I realized in talking with her that that's not necessarily the case. You know, it, it could be that I, I would be at a better place, but it also could be that I, that other things happened that didn't, that also affected my journey and my path. So I think thinking about that is like, you never know. We have this idea like, oh, if only this didn't happen, all these good things would be true. And that's just simply not the case. And and in a wider sense, like beside the other one I thought about before is I would stop the assassinate, assassination of JFK. But uh, but again, I, I think, oh, this would have been better and this would have been good and he would have done so much good to the world. But that's that's not necessarily true. It could he could have no one knows what could have happened if you change a detail. And I think and I agree with Ryan, too, because if I did change the cult experience, maybe I wouldn't even have my children right now. And that is not a world that I want to live in. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thanks for that, Rachel. I really appreciate it. And, and I appreciate you. Thanks for bringing up that other conversation we had. St. Babs, how about you? Hello. If you could go into the past and change a singular detail, what detail would you change and why? kind of hard you know I actually kind of agree with Rachel and Ryan um being that I have my five-year-old son um I would find it very hard to look back and go yes I want to change everything because like again the rep the ripple effect would um possibly be more dangerous than the uh current situation and um if I could go back and change anything um, it would be the fact that I didn't have my mental health treated by my mother um, when I was 16 and attempted suicide. Because it went untreated, I attempted again five years later, and that was when I initially got treatment. And I feel that the earlier treatment would have possibly put me in a better spot. But that said, the better spot could be that I you know, still failed out of college three times, still had a baby. Like, So it doesn't really, you know... I kind of look back at it and go, you know what, it's not something I would more or less change as much as, you know, it's a learning 
experience for me in the future. If I were to ever encounter something similarly, here's what not to do. So I'm not sure if I would actually go back and change anything, you know, if I were to think about it, because at the end of the day, I have my baby and he's made all the difference in my world. So. Aw, you guys are so cute. So how about you, T? I want to take this back to you um, because you also have a son. And I think he might have been born after the 2000 election. So I'm wondering how that does that that does that change your mind? Do you think that the change in the election might have changed your outcome with your family? No, I think I would have, you know, made that sacrifice. Like if if I really did think that the world would would be a greater good. Even if I were to sit down with my son and have that conversation, uh, you know, and say, look, son, either you cannot be born or these major changes can happen and these, uh, you know, major events can, can, and uh, can occur. I think that he would choose the, you know, what he considers the greater good. I'd be willing to make that sacrifice. I think he'd be willing to make that sacrifice if it really was that kind of greater good. If we really could measure it that way, you know, if it, if we're talking millions of people's lives are saved, uh, you know, war is prevented, that type of thing, right? So I'm not sure that that would change my answer. I'd still be willing to make that sacrifice. But what I would point out was that uh, the ramifications in terms of butterfly effects are subject to interpretations of time travel and it depends on if you're talking about the one world or the many world interpretations. Um, one world interpretation means that when a change is made, it's made to the singular world and everything that follows um, follows within. Uh, the, the best example of this is Back to the Future. When, when Marty McFly makes a change, his past starts erasing itself from the past. In uh, Star Trek, they generally favor the many worlds interpretation in which there are in fact many you know iterations of a certain set of timelines that are different and you can sort of move between them and so in the the many worlds interpretation you sort of are tempted to find that one good iteration where you know you have your son and the greater good comes about because in theory that one should exist Right, right. Okay. So that's interesting because my first comment was, so you are uh, fitting right in with Star Trek and the sacrifices of, you know, one for the many. And having met your son briefly in one of our shows, he, I think he's, uh, you know, the apple hasn't fallen far from the tree, so he might go along with that. But it sounds like then that in some way, your sacrifice, if we look at the many worlds, that it's like you would go back and make this change, which makes a new world, say, and that would be the world you would live in, but your son and another iteration of you would be living in another world. Is that right? Yeah, sort of. Um, so you're not it, really it, sacrificing it, him, you're sacrificing your own living in the world that he exists in. That he exists in, right. Right. Yeah. And wow. so it gets a little, you know, wibbly wobbly, tiny whiny here at some point, right? About how many, just how many Kirks there are, right? Right. <laughs> you know, is there an infinite number of Kirks in there? Are they all, you know, are they all uh, exploring an infinite number of different adventure timelines, right? Yeah, it makes it a little bit easier of a pill to swallow. 
in some way, but it, it's still a bit mind boggling. So, okay. That, great, great. Okay. Let's move on. So Joshua, how about you? If you could go back into the past and change a singular detail, what detail would you change? That is uh, a difficult one. Uh, I have an answer, but I do want to give the caveat. I don't have children, though. I think even if I did, um, I don't know how much that would weigh in my calculation because I think we have to accept that if we change something about our past, the other version of ourselves that we're creating won't miss the things that our current version of ourselves has. So I don't don't know how much that needs to weigh in. But uh, for myself, it would just be that uh, around 21-ish for a variety of reasons, I ran out of money and couldn't pay for college and had to drop out. And if I could have done something to change that situation, I would definitely have done that. Thank you for that. Yeah, I I think that I think back on some of those smaller things in my life as well sometimes, uh, rather than the bigger ones. And I think, oh, but did that put me on a path that where I'm I'm happy where I am today? Could I have been? Could I be with the people I know now and I'm happy with, and still have bettered myself? I don't know. It's interesting. I really struggle with this sort of thing for sure. Uh, Thank you, Joshua. Steve, how about you? If you could go into the past and change a singular detail, what detail would you change? Would you do it, first of all? Because we're hearing perhaps no. Um, And what detail would you change and why? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely going against the grain on this one. Um, uh, So... When you say singular detail, can that be a full uh, uh, message from myself to myself, or maybe at least a day of of talking to myself? Sure, you like, play with it, day? Steve. Let's All let's right. hear. We said singular detail, but we're here just to contemplate the idea right. of making this change. So let's hear let's hear what you have to say. So yeah, I would have an interaction with myself uh, 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 coming up my. Yeah, towards the end of my sophomore year of high school, and uh, I would tell myself uh, a a number of things. Ignore the threats that your mom's going to throw you out onto the street at 18. Um, She's not really, she doesn't really mean it, or if she does, it's temporary. Also, um, just go ahead, drop out of high school, get that GED, go to the community college nearby, and start learning programming ASAP. That's going to get you uh, the funds you need, even though I know you got deeper uh, uh, interests in uh, other forms of, of science. That's just what's going to pay now. And you're going to regret uh, not actually getting those skills first because this this whole society sucks. And that's just the way it is. So subvert it using that. Um, also, uh, learn about stock trading, uh, invest in Google, Amazon and Bitcoin super early when you hear those things come out there into the market. Also learn about options trading and sell options. Do not buy them. You'll know what I mean when you learn it. And we're going to write all of this down. I'm going to give you a bunch of other little tips and tricks, things that you learned the hard way, um, people you want to know that are great in your life, and uh, set myself on on uh, just a much brighter path because this time around, I don't have to learn shit the hard way. Well, that's interesting, Steve. So uh, without disclosing much, I, I, we do know each other from sharing this space for you know the last, well, since last August and uh, through Clubhouse. But I wonder if you had done that, 
I mean, we've heard people talk about that it would change their, it might change whether or not they had kids or, or who the kids are, because maybe it would change their partner. And in that mind, would you still make those changes considering that it might mean that you wouldn't meet your current wife? Well, that, that was one of the things that I was going to put down is like, hey, this is a person you want to actually know and connect with, just telling you, you know, and see what goes from there. But I mean, honestly, if that other version of me goes down a different path and connects with someone else, it's not really like the end of the world. Um, I do have a great connection with my wife, and I definitely, at the very least, leave uh, some advice to myself going, uh, even if not this person, these are the qualities uh, that you really need to look out for. And believe me when I tell you they're there, they're out there. So don't, don't think like it's hopeless, like you tend to do um, just because it's, it's hard to find. I think the result, uh, you know, to, to assuage uh, a few people's concerns would be a different person, right? Like I would not be the same person, but that would be a much happier, you know, far, far less anxiety ridden person, um, moving on into that future than I ended up, you know, having to deal with. There's just a lot of trauma that I don't have to go through if those little things had changed, right? If I knew, if I had the little bit of guidance that I wanted, um, when I was younger, yeah, I, I really appreciate this because it feels like it feels a little bit like reparenting yourself now. And while it's too late to invest in Google and those sort of things as they're starting up, there will always be those new uh, adventures to have in the future. Next year, there'll be a new Google starting. And we can take your advice, all of us, not just you, but all of us can take your advice and look for those things. With respect to Bitcoin, I do remember... A friend of mine invested early and he was talking about it. And I thought, what is this? And he was talking about it on Facebook and he actually put, I remember this, I think I even screen capped it, but I don't have it anymore because I thought, what is this? And he said, come on, you guys, you got to buy a Bitcoin right now. It's a hundred bucks a share and you won't regret it. And I think I bought a hundred bucks of Bitcoin at one point when it was $8,000 a share. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's that's funny stuff. So I appreciate I appreciate that advice, because I think that's advice we could take at any time. So thank you for being so uh, authentic. How about you, bro? If you could go back into the past and change a singular detail, would you? And what would that detail be? So I, I think that's a it's a great question. Um, and I think the answer, you know, the Bitcoin Google go back and change the uh, financial outcome of your life is interesting for certain because how, how many different areas would that affect, right? I have a friend who, and maybe just chew on this, right? This is, this is my food for thought because uh, I don't think I'd bring too much new to the space on what I change, but here's, here's the thought. There are no wrong choices. This is what he teaches his kids. No matter what choice they make, they've made the right choice because it brought them to where they are. So that's the answer I've got. What do you think? I think it's pretty zen and it might help with people not having regrets and second guessing themselves for sure. What about you, T? I think it's very, it's very apropos of what Steve was saying about how, you know, let's stand with one partner. 
yes, I'm happy with that partner. Does that mean that I would not be happy with a different partner? Had I not gone down that path with that partner? No, very well could be the case, right? It very well could be the case that if in 2000, Al Gore had won the election, I go down a different path and I end up with a different partner along the way and I end up happy. I think that's the point. The point is the happiness. The point is to be in a good relationship. You know, the whole the whole thing about uh, about being nostalgic for the past kind of gets thrown out the window when the hypothesis becomes we're now unattached to the past. We can go back and change it, right? And so I think that being nostalgic for my son is probably inappropriate because maybe I'll go down a different path and be happier and I'll have you know, I don't know, a daughter, and that'll make me even happier or something. I don't know. But whatever it'll be, I'll be somebody else. And whatever set of decisions that I make, the one thing that I really just want for myself is, is you know, my happiness or at least my lack of suffering, right? So I can't really measure one over the other except in that regard. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Oh, Ryan, did you have something? To yeah, say? but that's that's the central point of this episode, right? That that they accidentally go back in time and they save somebody who is wonderful and amazing and has a the the perfect philosophy. But they say it right there, right? She has she has the right philosophy at the wrong time, and her living causes a ripple effect that that makes it so that the Nazis win World War II. And the Federation is never born down the road, downstream effects. And so that's that's the exact point about messing with the timeline, that you might be doing things for what you perceive to be altruistic reasons, but we're not gods and we don't have the ability to predict all the downstream effects, all the different changes that would happen, and that those changes might be better, but they also might be significantly worse. If Al Gore had won, 9-11 would still have happened, and the consequences of, of that war might be different, or they might be worse, right? We don't actually know, because we don't have the two different timelines to compare. Obviously, we don't have the ability to do this yet, but if we ever do, our storytelling has told us to, to be very careful about this. Right, yeah. So we can't do it without, like, Spock's machines that that showed us both timelines. So Jamesy, we're still on the first episode. So if you could go into the past and change a singular detail, would you? And what detail would you change and why? So the, the short answer here is is no. And I think I can suss out why. I, another thing that Joseph Campbell talks quite a bit about is this idea of being the hero of your own story. And why a lot of people are kind of appealing to their children and maintaining their children rather than like possibly billions of other lives is because our, our own identity is kind of wrapped up in our kids, right? But I, I think we could extend that thesis in the other direction and say like, if you're going to be the hero of your own story, we kind of have to play the cards that we've been dealt, getting overly caught up in like, what if things had been different? Like that can be part of the journey, but it, it can't be the goal. And we definitely don't want to become a biff, right? Like if we give ourselves too much information on how to better ourselves, we end up becoming a, a biff and biff is the villain. 
Right. Yeah. Really good point. Thank you. So Io, we'll move on to you. If you could go into the past and change a singular detail, what detail would you change and why? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Cause, um, yeah, that, that episode in particular, the edge of, uh, forever makes me think of uh, that other episode with, uh, Voyager where you had, um, Eric Foreman's dad from that 70s show. I forget that actor's name. My apologies to the actor. But uh, he also had this kind of dilemma of like, what can you do? How can you change things? And like, I thought of that a lot in my life. You know, obviously, I also thought of Bitcoin as well. I don't know who who didn't think of Bitcoin. It's like, oh, if only I had thought of it when it was 0.001 cents. But for me, um, I don't know. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm going against the question. But I don't think it would matter what choices I made. I would still be the same person. I actually disagree with T. I think we are who we will be regardless of what choices I think we would have made. I think there's something to be said about destiny there, but uh, uh, I'd welcome any pushback from from the audience at a little controversy here for the uh, last person here. (laughs) Well, I guess I, I had a conversation with T in prep for this, and I had said that would I go back in time and stop one particular very traumatic event that happened to my mother when she was a child or another different traumatic event that happened to my father when he was a child? Because those things, and and the question is then too, like, or the traumatic events that happened to the people who caused trauma in their lives, right? How far back do you have to go to do that? And would those changes mean that they would be healthier? And if they were healthier, would they have come together? And if they had come together still and had me, would I have been raised the same way? Would I be the same person? And I don't know that I would be. Like, I think I was born a particular way, but I don't know, is science, has science come down hard on whether we have inherited trauma or not? Um, And, and would that, is this why I react to things the way I do or respond as I'm trying to learn to respond and not react? And so I wonder if we would still be the same people, like, you know, possibly in other scenarios, but I, I, I wondered on a personal level. Yeah, but I don't think that that's went. you anymore. That's what I'm saying. I don't think that that's you, that that person there, even a small little difference. So if we're saying from all the trees or branches of time, here's where we see Victoria. But these other people, they're so different than you that they might as well be strangers. And I think that's what happens, that you lose the ability to even identify yourself in this other person where you make up this uh, or, or run through this alternative timeline. So that's what, uh, that's what I always think of. And I personally studied faster than light travel in my uh, physics undergrad, specifically for my thesis. And that was something that was, uh, you know, always on the back of my mind that you can have a pretzel, you can have local pretzels that create some sort of paradox. But if the paradox is not too divergent, so to speak, uh, you can have these localized, almost contradictory scenarios. So that was kind of one of my favorite things about the topology of space time that you could have these twir- like twirl intertwined uh, timelines. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, interesting. I guess uh, I'm not going to push back on that because that's uh, outside of my wheelhouse, if you will. No, no, um, please, but please. You did if you have an intuition think... of, of no, no. a question, I would No, I, do, I, 
I, I don't, but what I was thinking about when you were uh, at the beginning of what you said was when we talk about who we are, this goes into a much deeper, more philosophical topic in some way. Uh, and I still, uh, Steve and Rachel, I haven't forgotten about you, but it's that if I asked everybody on stage who's been around for this whole, uh, you know, journey that we've been on with Star Trek Sundays, if I asked you to tell me or tell somebody else, you know, privately, who Victoria is, there would be some overlap. There'd be something that each of you says that's the same on the list. But in some way, if you kept it anonymous, it, there might be two or three people on the stage who are describing completely different people from somebody else on the stage. And that's where I sometimes wonder, like, do I even know who I am? Because I'm a different person. And not that I behave differently, but people receive me differently, right? And so does it really matter? Like, that's what I'm getting to is, would it really matter? Like, we get kind of precious about these things. And then I think, would it really matter if I was different? If I, if, you know, if my parents didn't have, you know, trauma and, you know, am I that attached to who I am? Not really. I don't think I would like myself. Right. Like if I didn't go through the experiences that I went through, I don't think I would have the compassion and empathy that I do. So then I think perhaps it would be so different that I wouldn't like myself. It's like the movie The One with Jet Li, where he was traveling between multiverses and trying to kill himself because it somehow gave him more energy. But the point is that in each of the universe, he was a different person, different morality, different sense of humor. And I think that's kind of what uh, what we kind of forget when we think of the time travel scenario, because there's various interpretations of how we could travel through time. Uh, so that that's always uh, been on my mind that if you travel backwards in time, do you create another stream? Do you create another fork in the stream of or, or the river of time, as it were? Or can you actually just get back on the river where you were before? Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the trauma has helped me uh, be more compassionate with myself over time. Uh, but like Steve, I wish I had been far more compassionate with myself at a younger age. Um, but I wanted to get back. Uh, Steve, you wanted to make a comment and Rachel wanted to make a comment uh, generally. So um, let's go there and then I'll um, bring up other people to the stage. I just wanted to wrap this up a little bit first before we bring more people onto the stage. So Steve, what did you have to contribute earlier? Yeah, so I wanted to point out, uh, there seems to me to be a contradiction in this concept of um, uh, uh, we don't know what could happen, and therefore we just go ahead with making any um, choice, and it's okay, as well as, um, but it's somehow not okay when we're using time travel. I would say that regardless of whether you're like going back in time and changing the past, or moving forward, the unknown is still completely unknown. And so there's nothing that changes about the significance of your decisions. All that changes is that there's a little more known if you go into the past, because there was a path towards the future that you have a memory of. So I'd say it's still just the same journey, even if you're time traveling you're still going to make decisions to the best of your ability and they will guide your outcomes, but your the outcomes you want are never fully guaranteed, even if you already know what the future holds to some limited extent, obviously. 
Yeah, I think um, the limit there is you, the person who begins the journey and the person who get, ends the journey, right? So, like, you might not even agree with yourself at the end of the ride versus the person who just got on the ride, if we're talking the ride is time travel. Like, do you think you would agree with yourself or change your opinion as you went through the changing of time, Steve? Yeah, possibly. I mean, but there's still yet uh, an unknown there, right? So there's the possibility that I might get in a big fight with myself and be at an impasse, though I think I know myself better than that. I might not, or they might turn out different. Um, I Before we move on to Rachel, um, and then we'll wrap up this one and, and see what's happening next week. Um, Io, I, did, I, did, I almost wanted to jump in and say, wait, 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 because you're talking about, would you agree with the person at the end of the journey? Agree with the person at the beginning of the journey? The hero. Yeah, I'm reminded of the guy and, from Voyager, well, right? Yeah. Well, wait, though. It, we're moving into rightful air, and I want to put a pin in that question. Because once we're done the question that we're going to ask, I, I want it to, to go, hey, wait a second. Would Worf at the end of that journey agree or at the beginning of the journey agree with the other Worf, right? And it's not even a time travel thing. It's just the journey through the hero's journey. Hey, T? I completely agree. <laughs> yeah, that, when he was saying it, I was like, wait, this is great. This is a great lead in. So, well, that was The City on the Edge Forever. And anybody who's listening, if you haven't seen it or you haven't seen it in a while, please revisit it because it was uh, it was great and it prompted some great conversation here. So thank you to everyone. This is Star Trek Sundays on Clubhouse. Our regular show is Sunday at 10 a.m. PST. Today, we're discussing The Hero's Journey. But before we move on to Rightful Air, T, can you tell us what we have coming up for next week's podcast and watch party? Coming up next week, we have Transcendence. What does it mean to move beyond your present state, to exceed some boundary, leaving the old you behind, growing as a person? We're going to examine this through Star Trek The Next Generation. The episode is Remember Me, in which Beverly is trapped in a warp bubble where the world around her keeps shifting and shrinking as she has to figure out how to transcend her physical boundaries followed by Journey's End, in which Wesley is, is revisited by the Traveler and shown how his path lies beyond the physical realm. Thank you. That's great. I'm really looking forward to watching those shows with everyone next week at the watch party. Just remember that we do have a watch party. Uh, Steve won't be able to host it next week, but T and I will be on duty and we'll open up the room at uh, 12 o'clock PST on Saturday here on Clubhouse, and then we start streaming on Discord at 1 p.m. So I hope that uh, you can make that. So let's move on to Rightful Air. T, can you provide a summary of the episode to remind those who didn't get a chance to review it, what it was about, and perhaps adding in the, the mapping features to the hero's journey that we discussed? Yes. Rightful Air, Star Trek The Next Generation, Season 6, Episode 23, first aired on the 17th of May, 1993. In this episode, Worf experiences a crisis of faith and seeks guidance from the Klingon religious leader, Kalos. This maps to the hero's journey because Worf is hesitant to believe that Kalos is real, but becomes convinced that he is. He then faces several challenges in helping Kalos regain his throne, 
Worf is tempted to give up because he realizes it may be causing more harm than good. He atones with his own sense of honor. Finally, he has an ultimate boon of purpose and fulfillment in the Klingons' lives, but continues to struggle to return to life as it was before, as his faith has been shaken by the political situation amongst the Klingons, as an end, which is still very unstable. Thanks, T. Uh, that was a terrific episode in many ways, and one that sparked a huge amount of conversation and discussion at the watch party yesterday. So let's get on to it, because we have a good stage, and, and I want to hear what everybody has to say. So um, in this episode, Worf has to struggle with the role of faith in his life. We see this from the very beginning, even the conflict, you know, where Picard comes in at the beginning and says, look, we've let you do your thing on your own time, but you still have to show up for your duties, right? And so I'm wondering for you and the crew, have you ever struggled with the role that faith or a deeply held belief holds in your life? Yes, I definitely have. I originally thought that faith thinking not critically was a virtue. And I believed this for some time. So I really struggled with that until I decided I wanted to be more intellectually honest with myself. And I needed to stop believing in things that I really didn't have a good reason to believe in. And this really took me some time. It created a lot of conflict in me. It caused a, a personal crisis about who I was as a person. And, you know, it took me some time to resolve that because I kept on doing things and then thinking to myself, wait a minute, I wanted to stop doing that. I wanted to stop believing that. I wanted to stop thinking that way. And yet I would still do those things. And so it was weird to have sort of like this, you know, part of me that would do something. And then another part of me that would say, stop doing that. Why are you doing that? I, I decided I don't want to do that. Why are you still doing that? Right. And, you know, resolving that, that crisis, I think took a number of years, um, in order to sort of get over that and get into more of a, a mindset of, you know, being able to trust my own judgment and, and figure out, you know, what it is that I'm really wanting to think and believe, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll probably explore faith a little bit, uh, deeper as we go along, because I know a, a lot of people here have, have talked about this in previous episodes. So um, I'll move on to you, Ryan. In this episode, Worf has to struggle with the role of faith in his life. Have you ever struggled with the role that faith or another deeply held belief holds in your life? Yeah. I mean, I think I think my my conflict with faith came fairly early on in my life when I started questioning, I was, I was raised Catholic and I, I grew up Catholic in Mexico until I was like 13. And, uh, I have these very almost cherished childhood memories now of being in Sunday school, having a lot of questions for the instructor that would put me at odds with them. And so faith has never really worked for me in the sense that someone on this app called me hypercritical or, or hyper, uh, skeptical. And I feel like that describes me very well. I don't mind being hyper skeptical. I think it's it's a not the worst place to be in because you're you're always looking for for the truth, for the base reality. 
And so growing up, going to church, being told that this world of magic and wizardry was real, always put me at odds with reality itself because early on I was enamored by Star Trek, the original series, and then when Next Generation came out with that. But I was also enamored with things like Carl Sagan's uh, Cosmos and uh, PBS's Nova. I remember being in Sunday school and the instructor talking about the creation myth and me saying, well, that's not what I heard in science class. That's not what I heard in Nova. That's not what I heard in, in, in Cosmos. And how can your description be so different than their description? And that's sort of when I realized that I was never going to be a person of faith, that I was always going to need some sort of tangible proof or evidence. And that's more or less been me the whole, the whole way through from age five and on, where I remember being four and being afraid of Yahweh because I was picking my nose behind the couch. And I thought, oh, he can see me. But then, you know, realizing that there's this much bigger universe and that I wasn't a per I wasn't a person who operated on faith. My faith is is always has to be uh, backed up by some evidence, including my faith in other people, right? Like, I'm I'm of the person that that believes in show it, don't say it. So show me you care about me instead of telling me that you care about me. Show me that you're trustworthy instead of telling me you're trustworthy. If that makes certain people uncomfortable, then you know. That's that's a small price to pay. Great, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. That that's a really good point at the end, too. I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing, Rachel. How about you? Have you ever struggled with the role that faith or a deeply held belief holds in your life? Yeah, um, it's hard to like pinpoint a specific one because um, having, um, as many of you know, being born into a cult, um, there were so many beliefs I held about so many different areas in life that uh, were completely false. And so, yeah, so I've definitely struggled with uh, trying to figure out, you know, what I believe about things after leaving that situation. One, I guess I'll pick this because it is the hero's journey after all. So the deeply held beliefs about myself is definitely a big struggle and theme in my life. And so people in that group, namely the cult leader and some other members, um, really made it their business to tear me down to make me believe that I was ugly inside and out, that I was a despicable person, that no one would ever want me or love me, um, that I was talentless, I was just a nuisance, I didn't even deserve to breathe air. So like, that's how they, so I held those beliefs for so long about myself. And over the years, like I would, um, people were surprised, for instance, when I did think that I was ugly. Um, that I firmly believed that, you know, they thought I was just fishing for compliments or something. And I wasn't, I truly believed that about myself, but I also felt deep, I deeply held the beliefs about myself that they ingrained in me. So um, it's been a journey of trying to um, recover from that. And um, I've had to rewire my brain. I've had to reparent myself. I've had to um, utilize things that I never thought I would utilize, like affirmations that I say to myself daily. Um, I've had people, you know, who have loved me and supported me and helped me to see the beauty within myself. And uh, I still have a ways to go. There's still blind spots I have. But when it comes to believing in myself um, for the first time 
since I left 12 years ago, within the last few months, um, I've definitely become way more empowered and feeling like I am not those things. I am the opposite of those things. Not just, not just that, but in fact, I am way better than I've believed my whole life. And uh, so, yeah, so that's been my journey, struggling with how I view myself this whole time. Oh, man. Rachel, thank you so much. And thank you for um, mapping that in some way to the hero's journey. Because what I'm hearing is you're a hero. And I hope you heard that as well. And you are. So thank you. I really appreciate you being so honest. It's, it's, it's just really beautiful. And I'm happy that you're here. What I've heard is a number of heroes' journeys at this point, starting with um, Rachel and her journey through figuring out her own self-worth and getting out of the cult, and you know all all that followed from that. It's it's just the perfect example of that narrative being played out. I think that this is absolutely perfect, and the crew has just been amazing with regards to this topic. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I just love it. They, <laughs> they just get it. These things are hard to talk about. Asking the questions directly in a space where there is no crosstalk in in many ways until we get to our our loosey goosey popcorn style at the end uh, allows for a little bit deeper contemplation. So thank you for that, Jamesy. Before I get to the question, I just want to thank you because Jamesy's uh, one of our regular crew, and uh, when I put the hero's journey. Uh, topic to him in just some casual conversation. Uh, he suggested that this was one of his favorites of Star Trek, favorite heroes' journeys of Star Trek. And I was really uh, happy for that contribution because I thought it made a really great duo with the first one. So uh, thank you for that, Jamesy. So I'm going to put this question to you and you can give us our, your thoughts in general. Um, have you ever struggled with the role that faith or a deeply held belief holds in your life? Yes, uh, my my life is riddled with spiritual crisis. Um, it, you know, I, I was I was raised very very Bible believing, kind of neoconservative uh, fundamentalist, and like you know, a lot of people think fundamentalist is just like slightly to the right of wherever they are, but you know, I. I also grew up in a very like science minded house that liked Star Trek. So holding the idea that the world was created not very long ago and uh, the idea that the universe has an age that's like actually much older <laughs> at the same time was really challenging. Um, at least like once I developed those faculties, but the, the idea that like, I know the answer in the book and I know why, what the justifications are for that answer. But I also have this like secret knowledge, right? And I, I think that's what it is. It's like, it's really attractive to have um, secret knowledge. And then, you know, I had all kinds of mental health things like psychosis that like caused me to have like better justifications than most of us have for those experiences. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's been it's been an ongoing journey. I, I found that giving up those other beliefs has made life just like a lot easier to, to navigate. Um, I, 
holding contradictory ideas as true at the same time is not going to make life easier in, in my experience. Thank you. Really appreciate that. So Io, how about you? Have you ever struggled with the role that faith or a deeply held belief holds in your life? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, in fact, like I, I would go so far as saying that I've kind of went as far as I could in trying to understand the questions of, of the universe, and that forced me to question belief itself. And um, it, it really shook me to, to the core, kind of like how uh, I think T was saying earlier, that um, you, you kind of go along life not realizing what you take for granted, and then when you really take a closer look at it, there's nothing there. It's quite literally sometimes like a, like a house of cards, nothing. Nothing is supporting it, or very little. Uh, it's not until you have a chance to study these concepts and, uh, for example, like the laws of the universe or perhaps other structures and the mathematical universe, as it were, um, these kinds of things give you a hint of the complexity of the universe, but knowing what I can or cannot believe, I never find myself uh, certain, uh, and everything is up for, uh, up for debate and abandonment because of how almost traumatic it was, because uh, I, um, I grew up in a, in a Christian community, uh, and that was kind of, uh, you know, because the neighbor's kids went to church, uh, that's kind of also what I did, and um, getting out of that, seeing that there was community elsewhere, discovering folks like, hey, Trekkies, hey, that's a good, that makes for a good candidate religion, you know, prime directive, do good, all the qualities that we would want in humanity, so I guess that's how I found, my, found myself here, questioning belief is what brought me here today. Oh, great. Great. I am feeling a very smooth transition to next week's topic of transcendence. I don't know about you guys. D, don't you think this is going to be great? This is going to be absolutely perfect because the idea behind next week's is um, uh, Wesley's a bit of a hero's journey of his own as he transcends. Uh, physical reality itself. And I'm anxious to talk about sort of the nature of, you know, what it means to move beyond or transcend uh, a state or, um, you know, some, some nature of being. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be really good. Well, I think there's probably a lot more here to explore, but I don't want to take it all up here. We should save some of this for Steve's after party where we can uh, talk a little bit more loosely and maybe have a little bit of a debate if there's a uh, want for that. I'm going to wrap up here. So T, any final thoughts before I do our closing? Yes, I think that the topic here has been very, very cool because, and especially when thinking about uh, everybody's individual hero's journey and mapping that narrative onto it. I think that's why these stories work and why um, the writers of Star Trek use these um, narrative prompts and narrative structures because uh, they are effective. They do map onto actual arcs in our own in our own experiences, and we do create our own hero uh, heroes' journeys very much unknowingly. 
we we do this sort of naively and it's not until we sort of look back and go oh yeah i do see that i sort of you know left the familiar and went into the unfamiliar then um you know paid a heavy cost learned a lesson brought back a boon and then sort of you know had to reintegrate into what it was that i knew before knowing what i know now but i think that this has been you know a ton of fun so thank you very much guys really appreciate it yeah thank you everybody it it has been good and, and certainly there's movies to look at as well and we've enjoyed uh watching movies at the watch party so this is star trek sundays on clubhouse our regular show is sunday at 10 a.m pst to be notified of future shows, please join the house on Clubhouse and our mailing list at StarTrekSundays.com. Today, we were discussing the hero's journey. Thank you to everyone who has participated in the show and to our listening supporters. Please join us next week for a discussion about transcendence. We hope you have a great week. Thank you, everyone. Live long and prosper.